Hello and welcome back to Football Gentron, the only English language podcast dedicated to Armenian football. I am your host, Adam, and I am joined here by the usual suspects in Chadens and Armen. Uh, there's no Tito today. Uh, I think he is a little bit um, salty at the moment <laughs> <laughs> for, for reasons we will dive into later in this episode. Uh, yeah. How are you gentlemen doing today? Oh, good. How are you guys? Good. Good. Looking forward to a lot of topics today. Yep. We've got yes. a lot to cover. There is a lot to cover, and every single time we think uh, there's not a lot to cover, psh, man, are we Trust wrong. me. There <laughs> is. So, let's start out with the under-21 men's national team, who began their European qualifiers campaign away to the Faroe Islands with a what we can only describe as a shameful 2-0 loss. Um, I think uh, it was, again, it was the, the inaugural match for the, for the new manager. Uh, and <laughs> I, I think it, it essentially became a little more of the same. Our, we don't really have expectations of the under-21 national team. A lot of these players play together, um, uh, bar a couple who play uh, abroad outside of Armenia. So considering the circumstances, guys, and considering how, you know, a lot of these other countries that even in our group in the in our in World Cup qualifiers like Romania, who's, uh, you know, in the under 21 championship, Russia, who has a good under 21 team and so on and so forth. Why? What's up with us? Why can't we have a good under 21 team? I mean, look, Shaoyan played the full 90 minutes in this match. And still, you know, nothing really came out of it. What do you guys think? Yeah. I think it's not based on individuals. I don't know. No idea. Honestly, yeah, it's not no based idea. on individuals. I don't know. It's like, it's it's more of a finding combination with the players. Or like, uh, I don't know, working together, I guess, collaboration. It's uh-huh. not really easy with uh, the youth teams. Like the other Chemistry. day we saw France lose. Uh, the U nine U twenty ones, I think they have uh-huh. like a really okay. good squad. What did they, they lose against? I think like Netherlands or something. I mean, like uh-huh. it's it's you know you expect them to win because they're they're you know France and whatever. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just different with the the upcoming uh, players. Yeah, and and speaking of upcoming players, one of the center backs, uh, Yerjanik Rubisarian, who we've yeah. talked about before on this, and who we expect a lot of in the future defensively. The guy got red carded in the first half, and Armenia was playing down a man for the second 45 minutes. So yeah, that's bad. What? Yeah, it was terrible. What happened mm-hmm. to him? Mm-hmm. Look, uh, it was a couple of very poor challenges, and honestly, I think it came down to the formation. They were playing um, a three-four-three. Three. That's what uh, that's what oh. Armenia employed, and it was bad. I mean, you had wingers uh, who were Galustian and Mezoyan weren't backtracking, and the the two oh. midfielders, Agasarian and Makarchan, the the ball one one ball was getting through the midfield. So when you have an attacking line that's not pressing, you have wingers that aren't coming back, and then you have two central midfielders who are being isolated. And if you look at the other one, uh, uh, Faroe Islands played five in their midfield. So they outnumbered Armenia greatly in the midfield, and it was like a walk in the park for them. Armenia literally could not hold possession for their life. It was it was very, very depressing match to watch. It's, it's funny how you mentioned this, like with the three at the back, because... Today I was watching uh, the 
Germany game, the Germany game against uh, Portugal, and the uh, the hosts for the uh, for the channel, they were discussing about the three at the back and stuff, and they were saying it's not fundamentally a three at the back, but it's also a five at the back defensively, yeah. uh, and like now more more teams are doing it, but it's mostly the 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 strongest teams in the world are doing it. So mm-hmm. I, so now that you mentioned that, I think it's a it's about experience, and we don't have that kind of experience to do it. It's like playing the 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 main team with a four three three formation, which yeah. is risky, but they need to get used to it. And yeah. And by the way, uh, what would the situation be with uh, physical training? Because I've lately been focusing and noticing certain. Uh, Stamina and strength lackings for some of our youngings. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would be the case, for instance, for Spertian, who is a Champions League type of player who was already mm-hmm. debuted at Champions League. But he's not from Armenia, is he? Now, yeah. Armenian players from Armenia have the same problem. We saw this, for instance, with Vaham Pichakchan, that we remember how he was when he uh, made his Armenian Premier League debut, he was like a, a baby doll. He was a skinny, tiny, short. Went to Slovakia for a few years, to like his formation years, first professional years as well, uh, developing physically, strategically, tactically in every aspect. And now the guy's pure muscle. Armenia needs to step up on that aspect. I agree. And I think with the senior national team, the physicality aspect has been addressed. That's why we have a team of physios. That's that, a huge difference. It has the, made the, a the, difference. Exactly. The, the senior national team has a huge physical difference with the, the youth national teams. Yeah. Well, that results in Armenia's under 21 being uh, in a nine game losing streak. So, it's not looking it's not looking pretty. And the last time Armenia won was in November of 2019, a 2-0 win against Luxembourg. Um, so it's not looking good for the under uh, for the under 21s. And I think the few talents that are there, like Shahoyan, like Narek Grigorian, like Yerjanik, like uh, 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 Kurbashian, who for some reason. Mm. Herman never starts any matches, which blows my mind. I don't get it. Titizian was playing as a number nine, which I I thought he was more of a winger. Not his position. (laughs) Yeah, so I don't don't get it. I I think just poor all around. Bro, we we just don't understand. Uh, It's simple as that. Yeah. Well, moving on, <laughs> let's talk uh, about the senior women's national team who had uh, a pair of friendlies against Kazakhstan uh, warming up for the September World Cup qualifiers that they will be taking part in. Uh, Armin, Armenia versus Kazakhstan. Game one. Let's start with that one. How did it go for Armenia? <laughs> Good. Yeah. I mean, the women's national team friendly window was a bit more bittersweet which is better than the uh, under-21 men's national team, and started off with a good win, 2-1 uh, against Kazakhstan. Both games were held in Yerevan. And 
During the first game, we beat them 2-1 with a, both goals coming from set pieces, both taken marvelously by Armenian national team star and Alashket, of course, star Maralatin, with one goal from a free kick, beautiful free kick, and one assist from a corner kick, uh, a great corner kick to a new coming uh, centre-back called Armine Khachadrian, I believe. It was a, Ar Armenia has showed great organization and great set pieces. So that's a good sign. Uh, we built the game from the back, much like Caparros sometimes does when we are the dominant team, not rushing into things, short passes, you know, try to leave as little things uh, to random as possible, little as little teammates isolated as possible, move as a unit. And, you know, trust the system. That's what I always say. And, that, and that's why, what Armenia did during that first game. On the other hand, uh, the strikers did miss a couple chances after some pretty good individual plays, uh, but maybe not the best decision making. Uh, and it also does remind me a lot to the men's national team. Uh, maybe they should work on the runs you know uh if you don't get good uh, runs from the strikers you don't get open balls and you don't get uh, shots and goal both men's and women's national team uh teams lacked uh shots and goal from open plays and that is actually the main issue with the second game what happened well, in the well second game well, before we get into the second game, let's talk about a little bit more about the first game. So, but you, like, as you had mentioned, both of the goals were from set-piece situations, which yeah. I think if, if we are juxtaposing this to the men's national team, the men's national team gets, like, <laughs> nothing. Set-pieces are, they like, need to learn. Like, they really yeah. need to learn. And I think they could take a couple notes from the women's side. But I think, you know, from rewatching, oh, match, I could tell you that the there is a lack of cohesiveness in the final third with the women's team. And exactly. I think that's going to come down to an understanding of each other. And that comes down to tactics. I think if their manager doesn't want them pushing forward, they're not going to push forward. Uh, but overall, I think the first game was an excellent example of game management. Uh, and then the second game went a little wayward. So go over that one a little bit. I... Well, first the results, of course. Uh, we lost 3-0. But the result is a little uh, tricky because it was really a game of two halves, in my opinion. During the first half, bo like both goals came pretty early in the game. Uh, both, like, two, two goals in the first half. Both of them coming early. What happened? Kazakhstan with, uh, like, a little touched in upset about the previous game knew what Armenia played like and they knew that holding back and leaving possession to Armenia was maybe not the best idea and said and done they started to press right off the bat uh, from the kickoff from the first whistle uh, got the ball in our defensive zone uh, and that's pretty much it. Dangerous situations all around for Kazakhstan. Little position possession for Armenia. And first half was a disaster. It was all Kazakhstan-like assets 
all around. Kazakhstan mm -hmm. beating us fair and square. Second half was pretty different. Armenia bounced back in playing terms, not so much in result terms because of what I mentioned earlier. Uh, no shots on goal from open play, no final pass, no cohesion, as you said, no cohesion between the, the attacking midfield and the offensive line. Yeah, and, and again, I think we, sh we should also uh, note that these are friendlies, so yeah. and we've seen this women's team in a competitive environment in, that, uh, in the R game tournament last month that, exactly. you know, that they were a little bit more pretty different. And there was a number of players missing, uh, so got to see a little bit more domestic talent take center stage. And I'm sure uh, Coach uh, Sanamian got a much better picture going into those World Cup qualifiers against Norway and Poland in September. Yeah, that's that's why I'm very uh, happy, if that's the word, uh, about this friendly window. It was pretty positive. Yeah. So it was like it was to try things out, and and now we gotta learn from that. Exactly, just like the men's and hopefully yeah. the under 21s. I think everyone should take some notes. <laughs> yeah, All both, right. Both in both in the good things and in the bad. Yeah, and and in the bad. Well, let's uh, shift our focus uh, to domestic Armenia, domestic football. Uh, where the Armenian clubs are going to or are currently uh, preparing for European competition. So Alashkert, who won the Armenian Premier League, is competing in the first round of the UEFA Champions League qualifiers. And they have been mm -hmm. drawn against Conakwe's nomads, who <laughs> are, are, uh, are aside from Wales. Shout out to our Welsh buddies at the 94th minute. Um we have an interview with them. Uh, if you haven't seen that already, go ahead and check it out. You can find it on their Twitter account, uh, where we just did a little profile on Armenian football. Uh, so, Armenia, Alashkert, Konakwe's Nomads. First leg is on July 7th. Second leg is on July 14th. And this match is pretty important for a couple of reasons. Chadens, European competition, Armenia doesn't really go hand-in-hand hand until uh, Adela <laughs> Armenia's two Cinderella runs that fell miserably at the last step. How do you assess <laughs> Alashkert's chances? I mean, it, if we think about it, they have the best shot, right? They're starting in Champions League, so they can only yeah. go down. W what do you think about Alashkert and their chances of making any of the three European competitions? Well, let's look at it practically. So if Alashkert lose... They mm -hmm. had to drop to Conference League on the qualifying round uh, two, the round uh -huh. two. So if Alashkert make it to round two of Champions League and then lose, they drop to the Europa League Champions path round three, where a loss there guarantees Champions path playoffs. So a win in round one of UCL is crucial at any cost. Yes. So we're hoping that at least one or two rounds they go through and manage to keep it going. Yeah, because, again, like, the farther you go in the in the higher-tier competitions, the easier it's going to get in the later rounds. So just like in you a way, said, yeah. if mm -hmm. all Alashkit need to do is win this first game, and they can literally lose two in a row, and they'll be 
in the playoffs of the Conference League, which is honestly, like, not that hard to win a game and lose two, right? <laughs> You'd think. Exactly. Andre, give us your assessment. I mean, uh, as you said, shout out to 94th, 94th minute, but no disrespect. But Alash <laughs> gets, like, objectively, considering what we're going to go over in a little bit, Alashket is the club with the most accessible rival from the Armenian clubs. Uh, sadly, Armenian clubs in, in Conference League didn't have the same luck. And Alashket are the only favorites, even if it's going to be a hard-fought match, pretty similar forces. But this time, Alashket are favorites, and I'm positive about them, I'm optimistic about them because Alashkert has a good uh, balance between Armenian players and foreign players, proven players and unexperienced players, young and old, uh, captained by Atak Grigorian, who is one of our <laughs> local favorites at football. The Kenton. lion. Exactly. <laughs> the one and only lion of the midfield. So, And they do have some young guns that will... Yeah. Uh, have plenty to prove and have definitely more than enough talent to deliver. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see Alashkert. So let's let's just compare apple to apples to apples. Obviously, these aren't a measurement overall, or shouldn't be taken, or should be taken with a grain of salt because anything can happen in 180 minutes of football. But Alashkert is valued per transfer market at $5.5 million mm -hmm. as a team. So the value of their squad versus Kamakwe's nomads are valued at 1.96 million. So a club from Armenia is valued two and a half times more than a club from, than this club from Wales who did win the league. So, I mean, these are both league winners, of course, and a lot of their players are English and Welsh, uh, mm. except they have like one Australian, one of their goalkeepers is Australian. And their star player is their striker, Michael Wilde, who is uh, old. I mean, he's 37. And he scored almost, he scored more, two times more than their second highest goal scorer of the season, Callum Morris. Uh, so it's realistically about shutting one guy down, whether Alashket can do that or not. And we know now Alashkev have Alexander Grigorian as their manager, who is a far better tactician than Khashmanyan. That's for sure. <laughs> Honest to goodness, I think I'm never, ever really confident when it comes to Armenian clubs in European competition. <laughs> passing through, but I genuinely believe that Alashkev yeah. should be winning this game and they should be doing so comfortably. Yeah, they are favorites, and as you said, we can't be overconfident because we know how Armenian clubs are like, but they really are favorites, and they, for a change, they, like, have what it takes to fulfill, to, to, mm -hmm. to deliver. Yeah, and, you know, we have uh, very good and exciting players, David Davidian, uh, who was unfortunately injured and couldn't make the national team matches. But I think a player like that that can terrorize a defense in the Armenian League should be able to 
do the same mm-hmm. against a Welsh side. I don't think there should be um, a difference. But, however, I think one thing that is important to note this time around versus the last two seasons uh, is that the matches are going back to being two legs. So something that uh, Ararat Yerevan was able, or sorry, Ararat Armenia rather, was able to capitalize on last time out was that it was single elimination, but we're going back to the traditional home and away matches this season. So it's 180 minutes of football versus 90 minutes where anything can happen. Um, But again, I think, like we said, we assess their chances to be very well. And if they go through, uh, Armin, do we know who they would be playing in between? Would you happen to have an information? Um, I believe it was Aris Salonika. I'm not sure. I will check. But I, I, I believe it was Aris Salonika, which uh, is is kind of hard for us because we love our Greek brothers. But <laughs> we will see first. Uh, yeah. But meanwhile, this we conference can talk league about is a great conference league. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's a lot switch. To talk about. <laughs> there, there. I mean, there is there is a lot to talk about. You're right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, UEFA Europa Conference League. This is going to be the inaugural season of this competition. It is the Europa League for Europa League, um, <laughs> where uh, the whole idea was to give uh, the countries with lower coefficients, such as Armenia, an opportunity to participate in European competition. However, they went ahead and did things like guarantee Tottenham Hotspurs a playoff uh, berth, which ruins it for a club that makes a Cinderella run to the playoffs. But in a way, anyway, yeah. Yeah. So we have three teams that are participating, uh, the runners-up and third place in the Armenian Premier League, and the cup winners. So Urardu will be playing against Marabor of Slovenia. Noah got drawn up against Kupian Palonsura of Finland. <laughs> and Adelaide Yerevan uh, got probably the most difficult uh, side, Hungarian side, Fehervar. So, Armen, a lot to dissect here. We have three different teams. Let's start out with the team that got second place in the league, FC Noah. What do you think about their draw, and what do you think about their chances? Well, in theory, and uh, <laughs> highlight uh, keyword theory, they would be in Conference League the, the one with the most chances of making it through because mm-hmm. Noah is, is the, maybe the strongest, arguably, of the three Armenian sides. Uh, having... They actually signed a couple of interesting players. We're going to talk about that in a while. They also have already succeeded this last few years with some Armenian talents like Jordi Ararat, uh, Beni Kovanesian, and, and Al- Pedro Savatisian, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's a it's a solid team. They did lose their, their goalkeeper, the Italian Bimercati. So that's going to be tough for them to find a replacement. And also, K- uh, KP, in theory, is the weakest of the three draws. Mm-hmm. But I've been checking their squad, and and they have some good quality. They have some European quality. They have players that come from uh, all over, like, top 10 European leagues, uh, not to be underestimated by any chance. 
Yeah, of course. I mean, value for value wise, they're uh, uh, Noah and uh, Coops, which we're just going to refer to them as for the sake of making it easy. Uh, and it's, I mean, that's the name on their symbol. Uh, they're fairly even. Uh, and the this team got third in the Finnish first tier. And they are a mainstay in the top flight in Finland. And we know that, you know, we, we're not going to underestimate any side, of course. And we all know at the end of the day we're Armenian. So it's, you know, going to be a flip of a coin. Uh, but I think contrary to what we've been seeing before, the Armenian sides are starting preparations a lot earlier than they had done previously. A lot of the teams started training camp last week, uh, which was mid-June. Uh, and that's not something that we've seen before. Uh, mm-hmm. Chadens, you know FC Noah, and you know the type of talent that they have. And they have a few Armenian national team players. Uh, do you think Noah has what it takes to get far? Because if they lose, unlike Alashkit, they're out. To be honest, I think all all of them have a chance. Because it it's... Okay, yeah, I understand that it's it's a European competition. We don't have a very, you know, good uh, history about about everything. But I think that if if they perform well, even these these two games, like if they think that it's it's only these two games and they progress, they can go a lot further. It's about just small gains in a way. Because these these kind of competitions, especially for us, um, where we start from the the way way beginning of the whole tournament, it's very difficult to go through. So small wins it will be very helpful in the long run. All all of them have a chance, in my opinion. Okay. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to the next one, which is Urardu versus. Marabor of Slovenia. Marabor is a side that got second place in the Slovenian top flight behind champions NS Mura. And they have a pretty good squad. Uh, they're valued at 13 million on transfer market. And they have players from Slovenia, from Croatia, Bosnia, some Moroccans and Argentinian in there. They have uh, mm. they have someone uh, who and they take a lot of loan players a player from Stal Bucharest, a couple of Brazilians up top, and their striker, Jan Maklar, who they had on loan from Brighton uh, from the championship. Wow. So mm. here's here's the thing. I was just looking at their team, and you know Jan Maklar was by far their most productive player up top. And fortunately for us, his loan ends uh, at the end of this month. So he will be headed back Ooh. to Brighton. And uh, unless some, there's some sort of turnaround and he comes back, they will be missing a very, very large portion of their goals. Their backup striker, Marcos Tavares, is a 37-year-old uh, Brazilian national. Uh, so very similar to the Urardu in that they could take advantage of this. So let's talk about Urardu a little bit. Armen. Paco Pakopian, captain of this side, he very recently in an interview said that they are trying to prepare as much as possible to make sure they become successful and make it into the Conference League. How do you assess Urardu's chances? 
And how do you assess their management? Oh, uh, Alexander Grigorian. Um, no, not well, anymore. Alexander Grigorian is at NOAA. Isn't now he? Wait, wait, what? No, yep. no, that, that can't be right. Alexander Grigorian just got uh, the trans- just signed as Urartu manager from... Uh, oh, no, wait. I'm he signed as no. He was Urartu's manager at the beginning of last season, went to Russia after, and then came back to win the title with Alashkert. Well, you know, there's so many shady contracts situations going on in former Soviet countries. It's confusing. Well, uh, let me tell I, you. I was literally thinking about that when when I was going over Arat, Ararat Yerevan's current squad. They ended uh-huh. like they didn't extend the contracts of eight players. Yep. That, that, this is that Ararat Yerevan. It happens a lot in Armenia. Yeah, but and, let me... and, and in all of the post-Soviet world, really. Yeah, so let, let me let me tell you this. Uh, Robert Arzumanian is actually the manager oh, of Urardu. Yeah, yes. He he managed them the second uh, after after Grigorian's departure. He was appointed as a caretaker, and they gave him the full job. And he ended up <laughs> repaying the club gratefully by getting third place in the league and qualifying for the conference league. So that's why you were asking. It's that's because he's a defensive player. Exactly. Exactly. Boy, Gelati, bravo. You, Good. <laughs> Good so, for you. Yeah, we have a national team players, a couple of under-21 players, former under-21 players in there. What? How do you assess Urardu's chances? The Ajax of the Caucasus. Uh, Urardu, who, how, how could anyone not love this club? And, yeah... In theory, as well, as I was saying for Noah's case, in theory, Marabor is a regional giant. In theory, Marabor is by far the most experienced Slovak, uh, Slovenian uh, club when it comes to European competitions, by far, mm-hmm. <laughs> I repeat. But as you said, this is this can actually be done and, and not to get overconfident again but Urartu has a lot of talent and with a defensive mindset uh, tactic with with order and defense they could actually pull this off I agree and I think that's one thing that the change in management has brought to Urartu of course, bringing in you know someone who is a center back by trade, I think you are going to have that uh, make waves throughout your team, and and you know that's something we could see. Eric Simonian, who broke into the first team at 17 yeah. years old, is a starting central defender, yeah. and getting someone like that who had a national team call up already, some European experience, I think can be amazing for the national team and i think it could really really take a lot more players far i'm hopeful for them a lot Uradu. yeah yeah <laughs> this is gonna be a really interesting matchup to watch mm-hmm. yeah i agree and last but not least we have ararat yerevan versus Ferivar of <laughs> these 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 club names are so difficult to pronounce of Hungary, I believe. Yes, in the Hungarian first tier. Ferivar yep. is a very big club. A lot mm-hmm. bigger uh 
than you know the current size of Ararat Yerevan because as we yep. all know, historically Ararat Yerevan is a Goliath, um, and they are unfortunately not that anymore. However, uh, Vardan Bichakjan under you know under his management, they have been doing a lot of very very good things, but it felt like there's still a little bit of a few pieces here and there missing to get them to be the team that he wants them to be. Armen, how do you assess Ara Yerevan's chances? And do you think Bichakchan can get them past such a very difficult test, considering Ararat's going to be in preseason and Faravar, I believe, are midseason currently, right? Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, hard. No. I mean, I wish, I, I hope I'm proven wrong and, and Coach Vartan is by far, in my opinion, the best Armenian coach uh, in the Armenian Premier League. But it's just too hard. Fervar, for those of us who were born in the 90s, Fervar is former Videoton of Hungary. Fervar is an Eastern European giant. Uh, it's got, and, and even currently, they have an insane squad. They, they, I don't know if you remember, uh, I think it's, he's called Nemanja Nikolic, uh, played in the Chicago Fire with, uh, with Yura. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was used a beast. to play there? Well, yeah, no, wow. he plays there now. Oh, he uh, plays there now, okay. And, and they, have, they have a couple other uh, big names to... Uh, I think it's going to be too much for Ararat to handle. Uh, as much as it pains me to say, but on the other hand, it's going to be a good, uh, you know, worst case, case scenario. These European matchups are always like this. If you're favorite, you should win, you should advance, you should, uh, you know, deliver. If you're not, mm-hmm. that's an opportunity for you to showcase some of your talent. It's a challenge. Ararat yeah. can put up a fight. Yes, this and especially true with this. Uh, the w- this is especially true with the the Conference League. Now that this is the bonus, like automatically, we have something to show. It's mm-hmm. like a showcase in a way. Yeah, because this is a place that you know, for the first time, bigger clubs can take a look at smaller clubs playing each other without having to worry about that side of the competition because they're not even there and it's free picking. So if you, if you, you know, perform, you can easily move up. But speaking of moving up, a lot of players, as you had previously alluded to on men from Ara Yerevan have moved out, yeah. uh, including Christian Jimenez, who was there uh, starting right back. He uh, moved to, it looks like a Lithuanian club. Uh, a central defender. They also let go of Serush Titizian, the under-21 yeah. player, which is a bit concerning. Grigor Melik Setian, a goalkeeper. The legendary Ahtaki Adigarian, former Armenian national team player, now has retired, since retired from the senior national team. So we're going to be expecting them to bring in a few players because their squad is looking a little bit thin at the moment uh, with a lot of people headed out. And, of course... We know that Vardan Bichakchan is a very good manager, but if you don't have a set full squad, are you really going to be able to, you know, 
take on a team that big. It's it's a it's a very tough ask. Yeah, I mean, uh, most of the players uh, they haven't renewed were not undisputed starters. Maybe mm-hmm. they were starters, like uh, as you said, the the first one. What was the name? Jimenez. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's Hulcice, the the Georgian one. Uh, and then, well, of course, Yedigarian, but Yedigarian is not as at his peak no more. Uh, of course. Grigor Meliksetian not only is not at his peak, but he's the substitute of the goalie. I think it's Ermakov, the, the starting goalie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're keeping him, so that's a good sign. Uh, and, and if you think about it, when it comes to field players, they keep... Uh, most of their starters, Girard Markarian, uh, Garim Muradian, uh, David Manoyan, Edgar Malakian, uh, they, they, it's like they're going to get decimated, but they also are going to bring in some quality. They are already bringing in some quality. We're going to get into that. But if they get like, I don't know, four decent replacements, they're going to be mm-hmm. good. I think something that's super important to note with this Ararat side is that after the departure of Solomon Udo, who left mid-season to go to Shakhtar Karaganda in Kazakhstan, they, that was some good money. Yeah, and but they struggled in the midfield. So I think yeah, they did. If Vardan Bichakchan can find an adequate replacement for Udo, which is going to be tough because you know Udo's a national team player. Uh, I think they can do. Mm. I there is a possibility, but if we're assessing everyone's chances, Ara Yerevan definitely has the lowest. For sure. <laughs> definitely, especially considering opposition. Yeah, especially. And um, it get, it's like it like it gets boosted. Like definitely even worse. And uh, we have it right over here. So, oh, here we go. If Alashkert win their match, this is in the Champions League, they play the winner between Tuta of Albania and Sheriff, uh, who are Eastern European giant club that Alas Osvilis actually played for. So I think if Alashkert is to get through and if somehow Sheriff loses, (laughs) they might have a good chance of getting even farther. Uh, But again, like we said, Alashkert... It's kind of really on them at the, uh, right now. If This first match is going to be very, very important. Again, those games are on July 7th, leg 1, and July 14th, leg 2 for Alashkert against Kanakwe's Nomads. And for the Conference League matchups, the first leg is on July 8th, and the second leg is on July 15th. So we will yeah. be keeping a very close eye on those matches. And you know what? Uh as you said, it, it, Sheriff is clearly favorite at mm-hmm. their their matchup. But even then, Sheriff is not, for instance, is not as powerful now as Fehrvar. And Alashkert, if we're drawing comparisons, mm-hmm. Alashkert is currently better than a very decimated Ararat Yerevan. Alashkert mm-hmm. is way more solid, playing at better level. Even mm-hmm. if in the head-to-head, Ararat Yerevan maybe uh, won the last couple games, but uh, Alashkert have even like a pretty solid uh, expectation, if we will mm-hmm. like to put words on it. Alashkert yeah, can I, make it through. 
Yeah, and again, under Alexander Grigorian, who is used to managing top Russian uh, Premier League sides, I ah, think there you go. I think it's very, very doable. Well, that is it for the club talk. Uh, we can go over, it looks like here in our notes, we have a couple of players who are also participating in European competition. We have uh, Champions League Kairat uh, in Kazakhstan, where Kamahovanesian currently plays, but we don't know if he's necessarily staying there. Uh, they play Maccabi Haifa of Israel. And for Conference League, we have MSK Jelina of Slovakia, of course, Spahan Uh They are going to be playing against Dilagori, uh, which is a Georgian club. And uh, again, we don't know if he's going to be there either. I, I honestly hope to God he's not. <laughs> but speaking about being there and not being there, let's get into some transfers and some rumors. Uh, the transfer market, of course, opens on July 1st in Europe. And we are expecting to see a lot of Armenian players transfer this summer. Uh, the first transfer that we already know of that will be taking place is 25-year-old striker Edgar Babayan will be leaving Latvian champions FC Riga to join Cypriot side and, of course, according to Ottomans, no, it's upcoming hotshots FC Paphos <laughs> on a two-year contract. Um, where we had previously alluded to, to a possibility of him delaying his move so he can play in the Champions League uh, playoffs to play to face Malmo, but um, I we don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. Uh, so look for look out for him in Cyprus. Uh, let's see, Chodens, Paphos. Can you tell us a little bit more about them? What do you know about them? They're building a lot very fast. Uh, they've got a lot of uh, potential. Uh, they're they're in the relegation group because we have a, a system that's like the two um, the league divides in two. And mm-hmm. they've been dominating the relegation side. They were like they were beating basically many teams recently. So okay. including Apoel, he, he's a good addition. Yep, uh, Apoel has been in very uh, uh, tough situations this season, and uh, they've beaten they've beaten them as well from what I know. So yeah, it's a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential for him as well now. Hopefully, uh-huh. it's good. Uh, he will be working with Michel Salgado and uh, Jason Panchon. Nice. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Maybe he can get them to Europe. Hopefully. Oh, oh well, they they're not in European competition, obviously, this season because no, they're no, playing next, in next time. Yeah. Next. Next. Season. You know what? Two good seasons, of course. Cyprus uh, is a much better level <laughs> yeah. than playing in Latvia, so. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I still, I'm still bitter because I think he could have played at such a better club. Bro, I think most players could have. <laughs> he, he, he had interest from Serie A and Bundesliga, even if from like lower teams or teams that were gonna fight for relegation. But Jesus, I, I understand the money could have been better in in this Latvian new club, but even there, bro. Yeah, even then, I don't know. If you're if you're talking on pure football merits, I think even staying in Denmark and going back to the first yeah, division definitely. would have been a better idea. But anyway, that's his career. Uh, <laughs> moving on, Ararat Yerevan, who we just spoke about, uh, and as we had mentioned, had let go of a lot of first team players, but they have brought in Punic captain Alik Arakelian, who for some reason still hasn't had a shot at the national team again. Uh, under Joaquin Caparos, but that is a big coup d'etat 
in the Armenian League, and maybe Alik Arakelian can help Adara Yerevan progress in the Conference League. Uh, Ottoman, I know you rate him very highly. Tell us a little bit more about Alik. Well, the, I was actually going to get into this, and, and then and it's a good thing, because I actually rate him very highly precisely because he reminds me a lot to players like Hago Pagopian. Why? He's a defensive mindset kind of player that can fulfill more than one role. Mm-hmm. In case he's needed as a defensive midfielder, he's there. He got you covered. Mm-hmm. In case you need him as a left back, full back, uh, right back, foot, any kind of back, he got you covered too. And even then, he can play in more creative souls, like attacking midfield. Uh, yeah. He is a very versatile player uh, that is not that doesn't like uh, bow to pre- to pressure that mm-hmm. can deliver under difficult circumstances, and was rewarded for his experience and his uh, endurance with Punic's captaincy. And, and I actually uh, a pretty young age. Yeah, and a midfield partnership uh, between. Uh, Arakelian and um, and Muradian, I think, can be something that is what Ala Yerevan would be missing that could potentially propel them to a title challenge and maybe European competition. Uh, it's it's yet to be seen. Uh, speaking of European competition, Alexander Karapetian made a very timely jump out of <laughs> FC Armenia to FC Noah, uh, who are currently preparing for the Conference League. So. Karapetian staying in Armenia and, you know, sticking true to what he had said previously that he kind of wants to end his career in Armenia. Uh, Chadens, how do you assess this move for the national team striker? And do you think he is going to help Noah get to where they want to be? Definitely. I mean, it's a good addition. It's another player to have. It's another player to use and deploy. And he's got the experience uh, above all. To do uh, to doodle, he kind of m- reminds me of uh, uh, Zlatan or someone like that. Uh, <laughs> how many teams he transfers to? <laughs> yeah, well, and, and he's definitely got the personality and the mindset. Yeah, that let's, too. Let's be real; it's a great move. Yeah, I think I think he was being used very incorrectly at Arara Armenia. That's why they didn't see the results that they were wanting that, to see. Bro, that whole club was used incorrectly. I agree. <laughs> I agree. With the amount of money that that club has, I I think I think we're going to see a complete. I think we're going to see a complete overhaul of Al Armenia, uh, and well deserved because you can't put that much money into a side and play that poorly. I think y- you need good management, and they didn't have that. I think they probably they would have been better off with Campania, who I know we, we complained about. Obviously, uh, we're not a we're not a fan of his managerial style, but no, they would have made top four. They would have made top four with him. I, I, yeah. I completely think they would have. Uh, dear um, listeners, uh, you should check out the documentary they have, by the way, just to, oh, just for yes. fun. I think V was the V News, the one that did it with the, their European qualifiers run. I um, believe so. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I watched it last summer. Yeah, that documentary is great, and it's what I was getting into. That documentary is from the time they had a sense of belonging. Yeah, and that the time that the whole country was behind them. Uh, yeah. So I don't know, man. Things are quickly changing 
for, for hmm. them, but they're, they have a year to rebuild. They're not going to be in European competition. So, you know, if they come back strong, uh, we, I know we've all said this, they have gone farther than anyone else. They've gone to the playoffs twice. So yep. they, mm-hmm. they can definitely do it. I think they're a good manager away from doing it. Moving on to our next player, and I think the biggest announcement that we're going to be making, uh, and if you don't already oh, know by now, no. Armenian international forward Norberto Briasco Balakian has made his transfer from Club Huracan in Argentina to Boca Juniors, one of the largest sides and arch nemesis of football game thrones, Tito. And <laughs> Sorry, Tito Hermano. Yeah, sorry, Tito. I know he's, he's clearly not here in this episode right now. And I think he's playing flag football or something. But he's very, very angry. And he made it known he, in our group chat. He's in the mood for, he's in the mood for a tackle. Yeah. So, Armin, you, along with Tito, of course, are, are resident, uh, resident Argentines. Argentinians. What can you tell us? And what can you tell our listeners who may not pay as much attention to South American football, very wrongfully, I might add, si, si. about Boca Juniors. Si. Um, Boca is a continental giant. It's as simple as that. And, and, and in a continent that is uh, the heart of football. I mean, it's the second best continent when it comes to football in the whole world. And Boca are... Giants here. Uh, it's a good move. I, I, I mean, for him, considering he's been, he has drawn interest from half. I mean, we joke around about this, but it's true. He basically like five Serie A teams have been interested in him to different degrees. More, some more serious than others, but. Moving from Serie A to staying in in South America is not what I would have expected of him, especially considering he's a national team player. And for a national team like Carmina, geography is key. And we need as many players in Europe, in especially Central and Western Europe, as we can get. And Balikian was almost there he even he had interest from half of Serie A from Norwich City in England from uh, Feyenoord the the Dutch Giants and Basel the Swiss Giants and a couple less known teams too but from that to stay even if Boca is a giant which is Mm -hmm. definitely something to pay attention to and they will play Copa Libertadores which is the second best club uh, competition in the world after Champions League. But I don't know. I'm just hoping he can get some quality playtime. He can deliver at his new club. Of course, wish him nothing but the best. And he can fly to the national team as often as possible. But you never know. It's still South America. It's still half the world away. Here is my thing with with Boca. Um, Boca is used to having international players. Oh, they're used to. So unlike Huracan, they have players Uh, that play for Argentinian national team. They have players that play for Colombia. They have players that play for Peru. So Boca is a huge team. Of course, these are South American players. 
but you know the a lot of our Argentina Argentina plays a lot of friendlies against European sides and you know more importantly I think this is a club that is used to having players go on international duty so I yeah, think but consider this most of their international players like their cap players are from South America, South America. and unless yeah and unless it's a confederations cup or a world cup mm-hmm. they don't usually get friendlies uh, outside of the Americas and actually that's why Balikian is like kind of a freak here because mm-hmm. he's one of the only uh, European national team players playing in South America it's usually the other way around yeah. uh, and of course Boca is huge that's oh, yeah. that's undeniable and they have players like Carlos Zambrano which is a Peruvian national team player that spent like I don't know what five ten years in Bundesliga that's mm-hmm. insane uh, they have had Carlos Tevez and Mauro Zarate uh, until last like until this transfer window mm-hmm. uh, sadly Chris they're not going to pa- be sh- yeah Pavon had- another one if you watch Pavon. LA Galaxy he was on loan at the Galaxy they um, have Mar- Daniele De Rossi from the Italian national team. Marcos Rojo. Uh, Marco Rojo, exactly. No, no. Yeah. They, they're about to sign, actually. They're about to sign, speaking of Peruvian national team players, they're about to sign Luis Advincula from Rajo Vallecano. But, uh, yeah, as much as it's a big signing, because if we're talking about the importance of Boca... Balikian just went from having... We were talking about this uh, in the group chat. Balikian went from having uh, 17K followers on social media to 77 followers on social media. One month, like, with one month difference. In one month, just because he signed for Boca, he, like, more than tripled the amount of following he got. Mm-hmm. That's how big Boca is. Boca is huge. It's undeniable. But from well, a an Armenian national team uh, fan point of view, mm-hmm. the move was to Europe. Uh, and yeah. I hope he plays like a season and moves to Europe now. I don't know. Uh, I, I hope he does. I don't know if he will do it. Well, from what I'm seeing, you know, departures from Boca end up going to La Liga, end up going to Liga Amekis. Oh, definitely. Which, which Tito thinks is where Balakan's going to end up after this. Uh, they just uh, sold, uh, they just had Soldano, but they had had him on loan from Olympiacos. So it, it, they go to good places. But again, I think yeah. this is also something that we touched on in our group. Uh, it, the move meant a lot to him and it meant a lot to his family. Uh, yeah. And it's very likely that he decided to stay for you know, the purpose of staying closer to home. Exactly. Yeah. Sentimental reasons. And that actually reminds me a lot. Sadly, reminds me a lot to Mauro Gevgesian's case. He, Mm -hmm. Armenian national team striker, a tank, a beast in the, in the box, uh, for those that don't really know much about him. And he's from here as well. He's from Uruguay. He played in Argentina for several years. He excelled at Peru. He played Copa Libertadores. He played great too. 
-hmm. and he got offers from Valencia in Spain and Sporting Lisbon in Portugal, and he refused. Why? Because he wanted to stay with his family. Mm -hmm. Why? Why would? I mean, I understand. I love my family. Who doesn't? But you're you have a chance at transcendence. Take it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and now he plays for Manucci in. Uh, yeah, the, he plays for Minnow in Peru. He in like Peru. he he's now irrelevant. Sadly, yeah. uh, the way I see it, there's said. more though. It's not just yeah. that though. Uh, what do you mean? Yeah, I, he's well. Then again, okay, Mauro was a lot older. I think when he finally made that big no. breakthrough. Not much older, especially he's like, especially since he can sit, you consider the type of player Mauro is. Mauro is basically paying, playing as good as he used to play. The thing is, he just like pays his dues at a way weaker side. But he's not much worse because he's uh, exactly, he was 26, 27 when he started to like, when he got to the national team. When yeah. he got the offers from Europe, he was starting to reach his peak. He's, of course, he's now a little past his peak, but yeah, it wasn't 35. that different. Yeah, I mean, look, I think he peaked. I think one at one point uh, when he was at Alianza Lima, I think he did really well. I believe they were playing Libertadores at the time. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and then again, they became champions. Yeah. Copa Libertadores, Peruvian champions. The off the Armenian national team. The offers from Europe. That's yeah. when you gotta take the when you gotta hop on the train. Exactly. On, so on you're you're saying your your fear is a missed opportunity, essentially. Just, in a way, I think that's his fear. Yeah, I think yeah. that's his fear. It's yeah, but there's more to that though. It's definitely think, my fear. Think of it. Think of it. Uh, well, especially like, talents. you if you consider ballet can speak. Is now, Balikian speak is not going to be like Gevgyozian speak. Gevgyozian speak because of the nature of how he plays, much like a goalie, their peaks are at 32. Balikian speak is at 28. And Why? he's now, he's, he's, he's like 26 time. now. Yeah. Yeah. So you're but, saying he has, he has two years. He, you, you don't want to see him here longer than two years. You think one, one and a half seasons? And get Definitely. to Europe and play play four or five seasons in Europe. That's your like Definitely. ideal scenario. And he can do it. I mean, Boca did uh, transfer players like Caleri to West Ham in uh, in England, and mm-hmm. and Benedetto to Marseille in France. And Benedetto was actually is actually pretty old, so he can do it. But he's gotta adapt fast. He's gotta deliver fast. Mm-hmm. He ain't well, got no time. Waste. No, no, no. <laughs> well, uh, that came with uh, for Balakian with a rise in transfer value. He's now valued at uh, 3.18 million. So he had a nifty 1.3 million increase in his value. And, and, and speaking of no time to waste, uh, elaborating a little on Balakian, fun fact uh, this is actually funny fact when. Uh, during the press conference and his presentation with the Boca president, uh, Boca, Boca president made a joke about like uh, how quick he had to start scoring for the club. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah, he, 
this is a big deal. And yeah. hopefully, I think he's got the personality to to adapt quickly, to deliver quickly. But I don't know if he's he's got the heart to move to Europe when the time comes. Well, we'll see. I, and I think to put it into context for people who aren't as familiar with South American football, the overall market value of Boca Juniors' club is $108 million. That is like 25 times an Armenian club team's value. Oh, oh other, to... other, yeah, other players, like uh, other Boca Juniors players now, uh, Eduardo Salvio, former Benfica. That's mm-hmm. one. And they're also about to sign, aside from uh, Peruvian left-back, uh, full-back Advincula, they're also about to sign uh, former Schalke striker Franco Di Santo. And Chelsea, sorry, former Schalke and Chelsea striker Franco Di Santo. So, yeah, that's how much of a, uh, uh, that's how big of a club we're talking about. Yeah, well, hopefully... Um he can get into the first team and stay in the first team and make an impact. But I think overall, we're very excited. I'm definitely going to start watching Boca Juniors matches. If I see him in the lineup, I'm I'm flipping the TV on. Uh, Wow. (laughs) We were, we were on, we were on him for a while. Let's move on to a, some rumors. We have Asha Korian who is linked with Punic and Noah uh, which would be a very bad move, I think we can all agree on. But fortunately, he has already started preseason training with uh, Himki, his club side. So maybe he stays, and I would honestly prefer he stays. What are your thoughts on that, Chadens? Uh, <laughs> look, I personally want him to move ASAP. Simple as that. Why? Where? 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 And why? why? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'm not doing the predictions again. Well, not predictions. No, 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 no. But what? What league would you prefer he goes to? And why do you want it to move? Yeah. Well, something like Vahan. I don't okay. know. Elaborate. Like I don't know. Out like out so- Russia, something like Vahan. <laughs> Just get out of Russia. <laughs> yeah. It, it. No offense, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not no something like Vahan. I don't know. Like that's the best we can do if you yeah. think about it. Like, like it's 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 not a pessimistic view. It's it's a realistic view. That's the best we can do at this point. So mm-hmm. might as well Wait. just shift as much as possible to Europe. I think. I think. Oh, definitely. Well, I think he he's obviously a very very talented player. He's unfortunately very injury prone. Uh, sim- very similar to Osbilis in that sense. In, in many senses, he's actually very similar to Osbilis. But mm. I think he has played in the Netherlands, right, for Vitesse. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a move back to the Netherlands could be good for oh. him. I don't oh, know. Def- no, that wouldn't be just good. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Exactly. That's the thing. It would be a little too good. I don't think it's possible now. Yeah, I don't think Himki's necessarily going anywhere, and I don't think he's going anywhere with Himki. But yeah, um, I think realistically, that's realistically, it doesn't. It wouldn't. Yeah. The yeah. good thing, the good thing is they're not get, getting relegated. Yeah, that's the that's a pretty big positive. The um, one good thing. And, yeah. and to be honest, I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, what's what? What do you think is up with Korean's 
situation with the national team because he's been left out lately by Caparros. I think no. that comes down to consistent playtime. Yeah. Think, I think he's it's yeah. been really, really inconsistent at the club level. I, but here's the thing. I think if he starts the season off a little good, a goal here, an assist here, I think he'll be back in the team. Because there's no denying his talent. And I'd rather, yeah. again, I know I use this a million times, but I'm going to say it again. I'd much rather have him coming off the bench than Babayan at this point. Even though I know Babayan is a very good player, but he's not playing at a good level. You know, Latvia is not a good level. And Russian Premier League is a substantially higher yeah. level than oh, Cyprus. So, you know, if he's banging in a goal against Seska or giving an assist against Zenit, I'd much rather have that type of player coming off the bench. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, especially because last year his impact for the national team was like like that. Yeah. In, in his, okay, maybe maybe not his first game against Macedonia, but that was Caparros' first game as well. But in the mm-hmm. on, on the on the second game against Estonia, he was man man of the match. So mm-hmm. or alongside Karabin, yeah, But even then, he was pulling the strings for sure. Definitely. Well, let's keep it in Russia. Uh, we where uh, Nizhny Novograd, who are a newly promoted side to the Russian Premier League, correct? Uh, or no, they are no. in the Russian Premier League. Are they <laughs> no, second no. division still? Nizhnyovgorod, yes, second That's division. Oh, but it's well, a big is... city and a lot of money in that club. Well, big city, a lot of money, but still in the second division. And they're looking to sign uh, <laughs> David Yurchenko and Wabemar Angulo uh, to bolster their squad. And honest to God, I would say absolutely not. I, I'd rather, much rather them be at Alashkert and playing in European competition than going to a Russian second division club uh and just you know not going anywhere uh, i think staying in armenia is a much much better option what do you guys think yeah it could be i mean both 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 alternatives have like their pros and cons but mm. in in uh, in yurchenko's case I even if there's an offer, even if there's interest, I know he's not gonna take it because much like Garabedian, Yurchenko has reportedly stated that he wants to retire in Armenia. So mm-hmm. and he's like five years older than Angulo. So in Yurchenko's case, it's not gonna happen. But yeah. Angulo could go a couple of years, especially if Nizhny Novgorod managed to get promoted, which is not like a far-fetched uh, possibility. You know, and again, speaking of Wubaymar Bangulo, um, <laughs> he, he's, in my opinion, I think he can easily fit into a Russian Premier League side. Or I, I don't, especially, you know, seeing his performance against Croatia, I think if he's in the right system with the, with the right partner, he's... He's playing way below currently at the level that he should be playing at. And that's just my personal opinion. I know Armin's not has a different opinion from that, but I yeah, think he can do better. He can, but not as good as you think he can. I mean, I don't think he's as good as, say, 
like the other naturalized uh, scent, uh, defensive mid, I don't think it's as good as uh, Udo. They have different, yeah, they have different uh, assets. For instance, Udo is more of a mental player. He knows where to position himself. He has way better ma- marking, whilst Weimar is more physical. He has a way better tackle and way better long-distance shots. And that's maybe that's the reason why I like Udo better, better because he understands the game better and doesn't leave doesn't leave you hanging. As much yeah. as I love, as much as I love Obeymar, he's we saw this both in competitive uh, games last year, mm-hmm. as well as in the, especially during the Nations League and mm-hmm. in, during these friendlies where he got the most playing time. Uh, Beymar's t- positioning is, and marking is just is just off. It's just off. It's it's risky. And it is. But that's why we have a lot of players to rotate. Yeah, so that's why he's he wouldn't be a starter in my team, and he would be a decent uh, substitute. And say the Kazakhstan Premier League wouldn't be a bad alternative for for Ubeymar, in my opinion. And teams like Novgorod could be a good alternative too. It reminds me a lot to Sochi as a club. Oh well, though you know, so you, we all know what happened to Sochi. So you know what? Let's not compare them no, <laughs> to Sochi. I mean, you don't know. Sochi right now is doing great, and yeah, without Eric Vardanyan. So I don't know. I don't want no. any Armenian players there. <laughs> but Eric Vardanyan is a special case, bro. Eric Vardanyan. Uh, he's like worse than Aras in terms of injuries. That's, it's true. A mir- That's true. It's a miracle that he's even he's getting like professional contracts. Yeah. Barcelona. He we all know Eric Vartanian is a Masia product from Barcelona, but the reason why he didn't go pro at Barcelona is exactly that. Barcelona's medical board assessed this kid won't be able to play two consecutive games. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's move on. I mean, Jesus, we've been on these topics for a while today. Uh, still in Russia, and I think we're going to end off in Russia today. Uh, <laughs> Seska Moscow is going full Armenian. Uh, apart from having Nair Tiknizian and Tigran Avanesian on contracts, Seska signed 21-year-old uh, attacking midfielder Arthur Galoyan from Velas Moscow. Uh, and they are also apparently keen on signing Vahan Bichakchian. Uh, CSK in Moscow, for those who don't know, uh, just had Berezutsky, uh, yeah. Russian legendary player, signed as their head coach. And I believe, if I am not mistaken, yes, yes, they also not. have an Armenian in their ranks now. Uh, I am looking up this information, so I do not butcher any names for anyone. Grigor Babayan. Assistant who, coach, bro. This That's the second in command. Yeah, so he actually left his job in Kazakhstan, which we had talked about. He had taken over at uh, Tobol, and he was doing fairly well with Tobol after Astana. Yeah. And he left that job in the middle of the season <laughs> because he got offered the assistant job at Seska, which is a very, very big job. And we're hoping that maybe we can have a little bit more leniency towards Armenian players. Right, guys? Definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. 
and and now with uh, the two uh, the two CSK Armenian uh, youth players that are now making their first seasons in CSK senior squad, Tiknisian and Avanesian, they got they they signed as you said Galoyan. They're interested in Vahan. It's, mm-hmm. The thing is, we need them to play for us. Of course. And if they stay there, they might not. But, you know, again, we complain about this a lot, but we're not the only country that has this issue. CSK exactly. Moscow in their ranks has Konstantin Maradishvili, who is Georgian. a uh, Georgian, Russian and Georgian, and he is a defensive midfielder, 21 years old, insanely talented. And, again, just like how we want Tiknesian and Avanesian, mm-hmm. Uh, Georgians want this guy to be playing for Georgia, but you know what? He's he's not going to be probably playing for Georgia. He's already a Russian under-21 player, just like our boys. So we're not the only ones that have these issues, at least. If, if that gives you, you know, any sort of oh, solace. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. And, and, and as I always say, if, like, the key for this kids that want to play for Armia but also need their Russian Premier League contracts the key for them is to like manage to find sustainable and su- sustained mm-hmm. uh, a couple of seasons playing in the Russian Premier League. You know, they need yeah. to play two or, th- or three seasons uh, continuously uh, in top flight and like become necessary members of their clubs. You know, well, they, they, they can't become liabilities. Once they do, once they become essential, irreplaceable, mm-hmm. they can choose us. Well, let me let me put it to you this way. Uh, there is currently a player that plays for Rostov 2, Rostov's second team. His name mm-hmm. is Sergei Kochkanyan. He, yeah. during the uh, international break, made his Armenia under-21 debut against the Faroe yeah. Islands. And he is currently a fullback. Upon his return from national team duties... He was offered a four-year contract with with Rostov. So he's Armenian. He already has signaled his intention to play for Armenia. He's 18 years old, made his under-21 debut, and he, you know, is important enough to this youth setup that Rostov has at the moment to be offered a contract despite already saying and being the only person in the squad that will not be playing for Russia. So maybe there could be some sort of tide changing. I don't know. I'm trying to be positive here. Yeah. I, I don't know that's going to be the case. I mean, he has, he is talented. He wants to play for us. He has been offered the contract and signed it. Mm-hmm. But for him to play, like, let's be real, senior national team is what matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for him not to play for Russia and play for us, I honestly believe that what it, what anyone needs, what any Armenian or uh, minority uh, player needs uh, to play for their homeland, their ancestral homeland, is a couple of uh, real game time in Russian Premier League. Like, mm-hmm. not, I don't know, not being like a substitute or like uh, an emergency kind of player you need to be essential in a solid uh russian premier league and that's that's the thing you know cska's three 
Armenians in the senior squad, Tignesian, Avanesian, and Galoyan. All three of them are really young, under 23, I believe under 20, under 21. All three under of them. Under 21, yeah. And all three of them have expressed uh, desire to play for Armenia. Though, like, in order of importance, Tignesian is the one with the most chances of succeeding because he's the one uh, that has been playing at senior squad CSK the, the longest. Well, let's see. Uh, of course, only time can tell whether we are actually in play to get these players or not. But you know what? Let's just hope at this point, and um, I don't know, that's all we can really do. Uh, last but not least, our final rumor of the day. Uh, this is a little bit of a weird one. So apparently, uh, LAFC star Diego Rossi Mashulian has been linked to Krasnodar in the Russian Premier League, as well as Spurs and Everton. Now, normally, we have a policy on this show, uh, is that we will only talk about players that are Armenian and that play for the Armenian national team, <laughs> or have an opportunity to play for the Armenian national team. Now, Diego Rossi Marashilian has made it very clear uh, that he intends to play for Uruguay. Unfortunately for him, he has been left out of the squad for Copa America <laughs> and World <laughs> Cup qualifiers. So, Oops. Uh, rumors have been circulating uh, that Spurs and Everton in the English Premier League are very interested in him uh, and his services. And at 23 years old, you would think this would be the perfect time to make the jump to Europe. However, Krasnodar have come in with what we understand to be an extremely interesting and very unique offer. Now, Krasnodar want to bring him in on the condition that he plays for the Armenian national team. Now, you might be wondering, why do they care? Well, this is why. Because in Russia, if you're an Armenian national, you do not take up a foreign player's spot on the roster. No, not, not just that. Let's say, let's let's call things by their names. Uh, Krasnodar is owned by an Armenian. <laughs> there you go. So, <laughs> Krasnodar, for, for those of us in the West that don't know much about Krasnodar and, and the Armenian world in Russia and the East, Krasnodar is the, like the eastern version of Little Armenia. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so, you know what? It could be a very interesting proposal, but if we're also being realistic here, there are two yeah. ways we can look at this. There's, there is interest from Premier League sides. We know, of course, anyone with half a brain is going to take <laughs> playing for Tottenham or Everton above playing for Krasnodar. However, we also have to look at his international pedigree at this moment in time. He, although has been called up to the Uruguay squad for World Cup qualifying matches, he spent all three games on the bench and he did not play a single minute, which means he is still eligible to play for Armenia. Now, he has played for the under-23 side in Olympic qualifiers, but that is not a FIFA-sanctioned uh, tournament, so he is still not considered yeah. to be an Uruguayan player. Now, at 23 years old is still very young. He could still very easily young. make his international debut for Uruguay a few years down the road. And, of course, going to a club like Tottenham, uh, a conference league club, they're not even a Europa League team anymore, <laughs> may Ouch. very much likely boost his chances uh 
for going with Uruguay. But let me pose this to you guys. Let's say he does go to Tottenham, but for some reason Uruguay don't come knocking. Yeah, but and here's he the is, thing: they don't even have a manager, by the way. Just saying. That's true. That is a very, <laughs> very, very, very good point. He does. They do not have a manager, and I think they were supposed to, weirdly enough, make a switch uh, with Roma. Paulo Fonseca left Roma, and yeah. Jose Mourinho left Tottenham, and Jose Mourinho has signed for Roma, and apparently Fonseca was very close to signing with Tottenham, but. Uh, something broke down. I think uh, they did. Daniel Levy, who's the chairman of Spurs, didn't want to like spend any money on players, and the guy was like, "Okay, you know what? I'm out." Coincidence uh, so, for Marashlian? Mm. Yeah. So again, <laughs> Marashlian is valued at 22 million right now. I cannot what? see. Yeah, I can't. I cannot see Tottenham spending Ew. money on him. I wow. I don't think it's yeah. Happen. Look, look, think, think of it, think of it like, like, like Tottenham, yeah. You're thinking like, why would I spend that much money from a player from MLS? What a joke! Exactly. exactly. And also, honestly, that's what they would think. Europeans think MLS. What a joke! Only Alfonso Davis and a few other players have succeeded and are are kind of succeeding. It's not very easy for a player to shift from there to there. I mean, mm-hmm. and Everton, I don't know how much money they're going to spend. I don't. I think they don't even have a manager, too. Carlo oh, Ancelotti yeah, but, just left. No, this is, this is where Carlo Ancelotti left <laughs> to Real Madrid. So they don't even have a manager right now. But yeah, I agree. But uh, they will. Rafa, Rafa Benitez. Yeah, they will. But like, so. but, like, they will have a manager, obviously. But think about it. Why would the new manager just come in and say, I want this kind of player to yeah. fit in my system? Yeah, and if we're looking it's at hard. the players, if the players he's going to be competing against at Everton, uh, we're looking at uh, Richarlison, uh, we're looking at Calvert-Lewin, we're looking at Theo Walcott, Yannick Bolassi, Alex Iwobi, Gilfie Sigurdsson, James Rodriguez. These are players that he's going to have to compete with for a starting spot. I, if, I don't think he's going to want to compete against those type of guys. If uh, Marashilian's agent, or if Marashilian is listening to this, or if someone can actually get this message to him, this is what I would tell him. Habibi, come here, sit down. Let me tell you something. Either you pick Paparos and his, and his counter-attacking football of November and going to World Cup with your actual blood team, or... You pick a team which has no manager, go there, play with Luis Suarez in your dreams. Mm-hmm. Which is the better option? Your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I I look again. There's such a bias against MLS players that it's yeah. it's insane. He's they have he very is, good players. Actually, I look at the wingers that they. Know. You know, and here's here's another. It's kind of a sobering fact, but Brian Rodriguez who um, currently plays for Almeria, was his teammate at LAFC. And he was, uh, get it, Brian Rodriguez was getting selected for the national team at the same time as Diego Rossi, but Rodriguez was actually playing. Uh, Rossi was. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. That's, that's... Look, I, I, that's, I think, I honestly think uh, for national team uh, matters, it's actually pretty simple. It's all a matter of time. It's all a matter of when does each player reach their peak. For instance, we have been talking about Tignesian. 
whether he will play for Russia or Armenia. Well, hmm. if we don't need to look way beyond. Look at the Armenian national team squad now. We have Horik Bayramian and also can play uh, Asha Koryan. Those two players, really, I mean, uh, objectively, they want said they wanted to play for Russia earlier in their careers. And I always knew, I always like told this to my friends, uh, to you guys, uh, I knew this. If Horik Bayramian or Asha Koryan don't play for Russia, by the time they're both 25, they will play for Armenia. And that's what ended up happening. Neither of them got called for any Russian mm -hmm. national team camp. Both of them play for Armenia now. Exactly. Korean just, just turned 26. Uh, Horik Bayramian is close to 28, 29. Mm -hmm. uh, same will happen to Tignizian, Galoyan and uh and Ar uh, tigran avanisian with the difference that those three players uh want to play for armenia and well for rossi that wants to play for uruguay the case is exactly the same he's got in my opinion in my assessment two years two years to make his national team debut for uruguay otherwise at 20 at 25 he is and trust me he is going to start considering Armenia way more seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably. Look, we'll respect whatever they pick. Definitely, definitely, definitely. We're always open to have these kind of these kind of players, this kind of it's, quality in the team. It's never a loss to have but don't players. Think, don't you think it's a mistake, though? Like, why wait until you're 26, 27 to join the national team? Just, just join. Like, especially, like, okay, uh, Five years ago, I understand. I, I get yeah. it. But yeah. I'm sure Rossi, at this point, if someone told him and he he looks at those standings and he goes, shit, you know, like maybe Armenia might actually make the World Cup. And if I can be a big part of that and I know that I would be starting, yeah, why not go? I mean, look, well, realistically, he should he would start. He would easily be one of our, I mean, our most valuable player, uh, financially speaking. Exactly. Rossi right now would be like Horik Bayramian and Ashak Korian five years ago, as you said. Exactly. Uh, that's because he's better and our national team is better than the national team we had five years ago. So that's the thing. That's why I actually consider Rossi could play for us. Like we could be uh, a tempting offer. But not now. He's 23. He's too young. At 25, he's going to have a different experience and a different career and different things to consider. You know, it will be different in every aspect. But I don't think he will join now. I think he's got like two years. And if he's not called by the time he's like for Uruguay, if he's not called for Uruguay by the time he's 25, Mm -hmm. He will join. He will join. Yeah, probably. Well, it remains to be seen. It's a matter yeah. of time. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for the transfers and rumors. And I think that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, considering no ball has been kicked <laughs> related to Armenians, <laughs> this has been an extremely long episode of Football well, we Genshin. Had, we, uh, had so much. we told you. 
We, we have so much to talk about. Yeah, this is, this is just how it is. Uh, well, uh, thank you guys for joining me today. This has been a wonderful conversation, and we hope you made it this far and listened to all you know, <laughs> blabber on about the politics of Armenian-Russian relations in context of football. Why, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't they follow us this far? We have such soothing voices, bro. Hmm. Exactly. Check our website that we just uh, launched. <clears throat> uh, check our social media pages. Share, follow. Your usual. Tell us which voice. Tell us which voice is sexier. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> All right. Well, um, remains to be big seen. episodes coming soon. Yeah, yeah. We got a lot of good oh, stuff planned for definitely. you guys. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you yep. appreciate it. And um, this has been Football Gentron on behalf of Onmen and Chadens and uh, really salty Tito. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs>